medals or ribbons for a snake bite. The general had put his life on the line for his Marines and for America, and that's why he and his family had been invited to Washington. The president had declared a special day to honor the country's heroes. Frankie had been revved up and practically manic, her mother's word, since they landed at Dulles International two days earlier. She had worn herself out enjoying all the things there were to see and do in the capital, and at night there had been adult parties where she was on her best behavior. Being Harlan Burns' daughter, she was accustomed to meeting important people in the government and military. The year before, General Powell and his wife had come to dinner. Without knowing any details, Frankie knew that her father's opinion on military matters were valued although he had long been retired. I'm sweating. Stop complaining. It's only a few more blocks. I can smell you, Harry taunted. Chicken fricassee. She aimed a kick at him and hit car upholstery where his shins used to be. Her cheeks blazed, but he only smiled and shrugged, and that made her even more ashamed. Harry was five years older than she, and ordered her around as if she were a grunt. Plus, he teased her, promising that if she'd do his chores, he would give her half of one of his cinnamon rolls, and not always the smallest half either. There was nothing stingy about Harry. And when Frankie's life got sharky, which it did whenever the general went after her for grades or table manners or not trying hard enough in sports— Harry was always there like a rock in the surf she could scramble up on and feel safe. It was Harry who told her she was a natural athlete and to be glad she was the tallest girl in the seventh grade at Arcadia School. Harry had been accepted for Annapolis before his accident, slated to be a Marine like their father and every burn before him, going back to the War of Independence. In the general's office, there was a display case holding the medals and ribbons he had inherited from his forebears. Frankie had watched his face when he learned that Harry would never serve. Not a muscle twitch to show how much this grieved him, but Frankie knew it just about broke his heart. Amazingly, Harry had quickly adjusted to his disability— Frankie's suspicion that he was relieved to escape military duty was confirmed when he told her he had always wanted to be a pediatrician, and now he could be. She was incredulous. Until his accident, he had never told anyone that his ambition was to go to Africa and work with doctors without borders, or to open a clinic for poor children right in San Diego. His aspirations and ambitions had been pipe dreams, subordinate to the general's determination that he would distinguish himself as a Marine Corps officer. Harry had been breaking school rules when he took a shortcut through the parking lot at Cathedral Boys High. It was spring, and the track coach was a bear for punctuality, but Harry was a senior with girls and graduation on his mind. He wasn't paying attention, and neither, as it happened, was Mr. Penniman, one of the history teachers. He'd had trouble starting his ancient VW van, had to play the clutch just so. 
One minute, there was no one in his rearview mirror, and the next, there was a thump, and Harry Byrne went down. The doctors at Scripps Hospital had tried to save his legs, but they were a mess, and although Harry was young, they would never mend properly. Frankie was with her parents when the doctor told them, We're going to have to take them, at the knee. She remembered how her father's jaw set. Barely moving his lips, he said, Do it. For a while, Frankie was angry at Harry for being late for track, for not seeing the old VW van, for never really wanting to be a Marine. He seemed like a traitor to the Byrne family, the Corps, and the General in particular. The guard at the White House gate held a black umbrella over his head as he talked to the limo driver, then saluted the general and waved them up the circular drive.